0: You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Well, our current sermon series is entitled Freedom in Christ. And George set us up a few weeks back looking at Galatians 5. And then last week, if you were here, you know Ryan invited us to consider Jesus the King who gets low. Let me circle back briefly to Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom, it says, that Christ has set us free. And then we're called to walk by the Spirit in verse 16. If we walk by the Spirit, we will see fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This fruit is the evidence of a life submitted to Christ and transformed by the Holy Spirit. I submit to you this evening that the words we use shape and reinforce our thoughts and actions. And tonight, my challenge is for you to learn to use words of grace and gratitude throughout every day of your life. If I was gonna retitle tonight's sermon for the bulletin, which they wouldn't let me do, I would have entitled it this, Use Your Words. When my daughters were little, although they were practically perfect in every way, Occasionally, they would come into the room and they would whine. Everybody here has heard a young child whining. Isn't it grand and glorious? So much fun. Yeah, I didn't like it either. And so what I would do is just say, why don't you take a minute and go back to your room, think about what you'd like to ask me in a voice that I can understand and then come on back out and use your words. Well, God is a much better parent than I am. He doesn't actually mind when we whine or complain. He doesn't send us off to our room to think about it for a minute and come back using words. He listens when we complain, when we whine, when we lament. The Psalms show us that those laments and complaints end in praise. So we're going to use David as our model. We are free in Christ, my friends. God is not foreign to our freedom, but invites us to freedom. Instead of being foreign to it, the Spirit actually breathes life into our most intimate desires, gently nudging us toward all that is good for us and for God's glory. And every single bit of this is due to God's generous grace. Some of you know who GK Chesterton is. He's a writer from the 20th century who wrote a book called The Everlasting Man. And that book led a young atheist named C.S. Lewis to become a Christian. I found this this week. Again, God's grace that I came across this. Chesterton wrote this, you say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and pantomime, and grace before I open a book, and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, painting, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. So let's pause and say grace together. Would you pray with me? Lord, you created us to live in freedom, and mostly we take this gift for granted. Inspire us to live in the freedom you intended, O God, with a heart untroubled and with complete trust in you. Please hide me behind your word, God, that each one gathered might hear what you have to say to them this evening. We ask for the grace to let ourselves be taught and enfolded by the Spirit. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to look this evening at just one marker of the transformed life, and that is joy. Joy is a sign of mature faith, and I hope by the time we leave, we'll each have a little bit better idea of how we grow into that fruit, how we grow into joy. And as we study this psalm, we can learn from David there's one important lesson. Practicing gratitude leads to joy. Let me say that again. Practicing gratitude leads to joy. Now you heard Tad read Psalm 71 from the Pew Bibles, and I'm going to um, read it to you from the message version. The reason that I'm reading it instead of having it printed for you to read is the Psalms were actually intended to be heard or sung. No, I'm not going to sing it to you. I'll spare you that and that wouldn't be good. So here, Psalm 71, beginning at verse 14 from Eugene Peterson's version in the message. I stretch out, reaching for you, God, and daily add praise to praise. I'll write the book on your righteousness, talk up your salvation the live long day. I'll never run out of good things to write or to say. I come in the power of the Lord God. I post signs marking His right of way. You, you got me when I was an unformed youth, God, and you taught me everything I know. Now, Now I'm telling the world the wonders of your ways. And I'll keep at it till I'm old and gray. God, don't walk off and leave me until I get the news out. News of your strong right arm. News of your power to the world yet to come. Your famous and righteous ways, O God. God, you have done it all. Who is quite like you? You who made me stare trouble in the face, turn me around Let me look life in the face. I have been to the bottom. Now bring me up, streaming with honors. Turn to me. Be tender to me. And me, I'll take up the lute. And thank you to the tune of your faithfulness, God. I'll make music for you on the harp, Holy One of Israel. When I open up in song to you, I let out lungs full of praise. My rescued life, a song all day long, I'm chanting about you and your righteous ways. Well, those who tried to do me in, they slink off, looking ashamed. There is external pressure all around David. And yet, rather than folding into fear and despair, he claims God has been his teacher throughout his life. This psalm literally shouts of God's faithfulness. And let me tell you, there's no such thing as a storyless prayer. Each prayer, like this one, is prayed right in the middle of each of our stories. Life is full of failure and fear, conflict and love, betrayal, loss, and it's even full of salvation. Like David, we're all a part of messy stories, every one of us. Eugene Peterson notes that David's life is the most exuberant life story in all of the scriptures. David was neither prophet, priest, nor wise man, and those were the three religious vocations of his time. Well, what was he? He was shepherd, he was a guerrilla fighter, a court musician, and even a politician. His entire life was lived in the sacred ordinary. We might call it secular. Tonight, I hope you'll consider your life and the sacred ordinary in which you live. Well, David prays, and I'm going to invite you to pray. There is a caveat about prayer. It's this. When we pray, we actually go deeper into the trouble we're facing. When we pray, instead of avoiding our struggle or our trouble, we acknowledge them. And here's the good news. We face these troubles with God. Matthew 7:14 states that the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. This life, this fruitful life, can only be found in Christ and only be lived by walking with the Spirit. In the Psalms, we see what Annie Dillard calls the fringes and hollows in which life is lived. I love that. I can see that in my mind's eye the fringy, fragile, fragile, and frazzled places in my life, and the hollows that sometimes are dark and dreary. And through the human mouth of David, these psalms become a personal word. I believe God provided them for each of us, for every human situation shows up throughout the psalms, even situations like yours and like mine. In our earliest days of faith. We're often less attentive to the movements of the Holy Spirit, but we are called to walk and live by the Spirit. Our thoughts and our actions are to be shaped more and more by acknowledging our ongoing dependence on the Spirit, on the Father, on the Son. It's when we begin to practice gratitude that we become more attentive to God at work day by day. Let me say it again. gratitude. It is not an attitude of gratitude, but a practice. Now, if you have taken any classes with me here at UPC so far, you know that one of my favorite phrases is that practice makes permanent. You want to learn to be grateful? Practice. You want to learn to live by the Spirit, paying attention to the Spirit? Practice. Practicing gratitude develops a soul and a life filled with joy and remarkably empty of despair. I mentioned that the Psalms are meant to be prayed aloud. Our ears hear and confirm for our heart, soul, and mind what we believe. Hearing helps our unbelief. My personal practice is to read the scriptures aloud each day. I need To hear my mouth say what I believe to be true about our Lord and Savior, rather than leaning into my feelings. Again, excuse me, from Peterson. To pray by feelings is to be at the mercy and glands and weather and digestion, and there's no mercy in any of those things. Feelings lie, feelings deceive, feelings seduce, because they are so emphatically there, and they're so incontrovertibly interior. It's almost inevitable that we take our feelings seriously as reputable guides to the reality, the reality of God deep within us. While our feelings are real, my friends, and they're important, to suppose that they give us reliable evidence of the nature or the quality of life we are called to live with God is to misinterpret them. They're rich, and wonderful, and necessary. They make great slaves, but terrible masters. Above all, feelings are certainly not prayer. Let's get back to David and his psalm. This psalm shows the way things are in David's reality, and things are pretty grim. We didn't read the whole psalm to you, but at the opening verses, we can see David's need for deliverance. Evil is encountered and wickedness confronted, and this Psalm is powerfully, tremendously transparent and honest. David, in this dark place, recalls God goodness. He says, I'm telling the world of your wonders, God. I'll keep at it until I'm old and gray. You've done it all, who is quite like you? David is depending on his memories, and his gratitude comes as he remembers. Theologian and psalm scholar Walter Brueggemann notes that memory is not an orientation to the past. It is vigorously present tense, selecting out of the storehouse of the past, retrieving and arranging images and insights, and then hammering them together for use in the present moment. When we remember, we lean into our experience of God in our lives. We reflect with gratitude that God has indeed shown up. David confesses his struggle to God. He says, You who made me stare trouble in the face. His prayer is a model for us because prayer begins when we're in trouble. And gratitude, even in the midst of that trouble, leads us to praise and ultimately to joy. Our spiritual lives are measured in terms of our ability to understand and address our own actual spiritual condition with profound honesty. No matter how painful, you and I are called to stare trouble in the face. And God will be with us. God loves us. God forgives us. God stands with us as we stare down that trouble. And then you know what he does? He turns us around that we might look life full in the face. I have a confession. I chose Psalm 71 for a very personal reason. During the very dark years just after my divorce, this was the psalm that God used to speak to my heart. I had been left bankrupt and devastated. I had no idea how or when my circumstances and my daughter's circumstances would change. What I did know was that God had not left me alone. Each day I would sit outside in my yard, the yard of the home that was in foreclosure, and I would read this psalm out loud, and I would watch and listen to the birds. They were these little tiny winged reminders that Jesus was right there with me, that he hadn't gone anywhere. And as those birds sang, I could hear God's spirit rejoicing over me in song, as his word says in Zephaniah 3.17. Every day, every day for 18 months I read this psalm aloud, and God used it to heal me. No matter how much trouble I was facing, my life belonged and still belongs to God. He had and has rescued me, and I can only respond with lungs full of praise. When we practice gratitude and live joyfully, taking up the lute, letting out lungs full of praise, we live our faith out loud. And speaking our gratitude blesses those who hear and receive our words. It blesses us too. You know, even the non-Christian world knows this. I was talking with Andy Sakoshi about this, and she said, oh, you gotta watch the Love Lab video. I'm gonna play just a snippet for you, but let me set up what's happening here. The Love Lab folks research relationship. And what they did was they invited a group of subjects in and they asked them to take a happiness indicator. So they took this little exam that showed how they they measured on the happiness scale. And then the interviewer sat down with the subject and the interviewer said, would you take a minute or two and just write a paragraph about someone who's had really great impact in your life? Someone who's done or been really meaningful to you. And so each subject took a few minutes, and they wrote the paragraph. And then, surprise, the interviewer said, we're going to call that person right now, and you're going to read it to them. And so that's what they did. The video picks up with a man who wanted to call his accounting professor, but his accounting professor had already died. So he reads his paragraph aloud. See what you notice as you watch the video. The person who has had the biggest impact on my life outside of Jesus Christ who is responsible for my existence was my college accounting instructor. He had a joy and enthusiasm for his job like no other teacher I have ever known. I love her to death and she keeps me going with positive talk. She is a woman that knows what she wants and won't give up until it is achieved. because it's so beautiful. I, 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 have, I have to say that it's, it's wonderful. I first met Craig on an independent feature film set in Whitefish, Montana. I recently have been sending Craig a lot of positive thoughts as he's suffered a series of health problems. Despite his medical problems, he's continued to work and take pleasure in the small things in life, like sitting quietly with, with his wife, Janine, on the porch. Erica is my older sister and my best friend. Sometimes it even feels like we are twins. She's my number one fan and my number one supporter. She makes me happy because despite all my mistakes and my decisions, she still loves me no matter what. Your friendship is everything. And you are are one of the most important person in my life. Even when she has a kid and many children, I will love her more than her kids. Okay, maybe not. I will never forget when she flew 3,000 miles to the drop of a phone call to save me from a breakup. I'm being blessed by having a son like you. After they made these phone calls, the interviewers gave them the happiness test again. They rearranged the words and the questions so it looks a little different. What do you think happened to their happiness factor? It shot up. Most significantly, the person who had the lowest happiness factor when they came into the room, theirs had the greatest increase after expressing gratitude. We are changed and others are blessed when we practice gratitude, my friends. Exuberant David shouts his gratitude to God. Now, admittedly, I'm a word girl. I'm an extrovert and it's true, I sing with my arms lifted in worship. I do that sometimes when I drive, so stay far from me on the roads. Um, But not all gratitude has to be lived out loud as an extrovert might live it. I came across this story of St. Francis, and I think it shows us another way of being grateful, or maybe a little quieter way. For St. Francis of Assisi, the espousal of poverty led to numerous adventures. Once, Francis and Brother Maceo went begging for bread in a small village. Returning with just a few dried crusts, they searched until they found a spring for drinking and a flat rock for a table. As they ate their meager lunch, Francis exclaimed several times, Oh, Brother Maceo, we do not deserve such a great treasure as this. Finally, Brother Maceo protested that such poverty could hardly be called a treasure. They had no cloth, no knife, no dish, no bowl, no house, no table. Elated, Francis replied, That is what I consider a great treasure where nothing has been prepared by human labor but everything has been supplied by divine providence, as is evidenced by the break, baked bread, by the fine stone table, and the clear spring. Joyfully, they finished their meal, then journeyed on toward France, rejoicing and praising the Lord in song. I see gratitude and joy. The Trappist monk, Thomas Merton said, what we are asked to do as followers of Jesus What we are asked to do at present is not so much speak of Christ as to let him live in us so that people may find him by feeling how he lives in us. This is what it means to share hope. This is what it means to live in gratitude. The fruit of the Spirit shows through us. I'd like to offer you a a challenge, or perhaps you're more comfortable if I call it an invitation. Would you take time tonight when you get home and think about the question the interviewer asked? Who in your life has blessed you greatly? Who's had great impact? And then take time, write a paragraph to them, and then have courage and pick up the phone and call them. I have a friend who challenged me to a practice during Lent. Each of the 40 days of Lent, she writes a card of gratitude to someone in her world and in her life experience. Recent friends, friends from decades ago, writing those cards blessed me. My friends who received the cards said it blessed them too. Take a moment, use your words. Practicing gratitude shapes our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, and most importantly, our view of God. It blesses others. Our lives can become a blessing. As David said, I've been to the bottom. Bring me up, streaming with honors. Turn to me, be tender to me, and I'll take up the lute and thank you. Oh, I hope we go home tonight thanking God. I'd like to end with a prayer of St. Bonaventure. And I hope that somehow you can make these words your own. So I invite you to close your eyes and listen to this spectacular prayer that he crafted for our God Father God, may my heart ever hunger after and feed upon thee, the fountain of life, the fountain of wisdom and knowledge, the fountain of eternal light, the torrent of pleasure. I run to thee, I seek thee, I meditate on thee, speak of thee, and do all for the praise and glory of thy name with humility, with love and delight, with ease and affection, with perseverance to the end, and be thou alone ever my hope my entire confidence, my riches, my delight, my pleasure, my joy, my rest, and tranquility, my peace, my sweetness, my food, my refreshment, my refuge, my help, my wisdom, my portion, my possession, my treasure, in whom may my mind and my heart be ever fixed and firm and rooted immovably. Amen.